Hello everyone, my name's Ariel. Yes, really. And this is Fairy Tale. Two quick notes before we get started. First, there will be no episode here on the podcast on the week of Christmas Eve. In order to give Scott a break and Nick, Ian, and I time with friends, family, and loved ones as much as possible, or as much as is possible during the uh, current health crisis. Second, uh, you can tune in to the Chaos of the Creations Facebook page, where I will be doing a special live episode Christmas Eve, um, where I will be reading A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. This week, we are revisiting some stories from Hans Christian Andersen. In keeping with the spirit of the season, we are going to make them two that I personally tend to associate with the winter season. The first is The Steadfast Tin Soldier. There was once upon a time five and twenty tin soldiers, all brothers, as they were all made of the same old tin spoon. Their uniform was red and blue, and they shouldered their guns and looked straight out in front of them. The first words that they heard in this world when the lid of the box in which they lay was taken off were, Hurrah! Tin soldiers! This was exclaimed by a little boy clapping his hands. They had been given to him because it was his birthday, and now he began setting them out on the table. Each soldier was exactly like the other in shape, except one, who had been made last when the tin had run short. But there he stood as firmly on his one leg as the others did on two, and he is the one that became famous. There were many other playthings on the table on which they were being set out. But the nicest of all was a pretty little castle made of cardboard, with windows through which you could see into the rooms. In the front of the castle stood some little trees surrounding a tiny mirror which looked like a lake. Wax swans are floating about and reflecting themselves in it. This was all very pretty, but the most beautiful thing was a little lady who stood in the open doorway. She was cut out of paper, but she had on a dress of the finest muslin, with a scarf of narrow blue ribbon round her shoulders, fastened in the middle with a glittering rose made of gold paper, which was as large as her head. The little lady was stretching out both arms, for she was a dancer, and lifting up one leg so high in the air that the tin soldier couldn't find it anywhere, and thought she, too, had only one leg. That's the wife for me, he thought, but she's so grand, and she lives in a castle, while I only have a box with four and twenty brothers. This is no place for her, but I must make her acquaintance. Then he stretched himself out behind a snuff box that lay on the table, From thence, he could watch the dainty little lady who continued to stand on one leg without losing her balance. When the night came, all the other tin soldiers went into their box, and the people of the house went to bed. Then the toys began to play at visiting, dancing, and fighting. The tin soldiers rattled in their box, for they wanted to be out too, but they could not raise the lid. The nutcrackers played at leapfrog. The slate pencil ran about the slate. There was such a noise that the canary woke up and began to talk to them, in poetry too. The only two who did not stir from their places were the tin soldier and the little dancer. She remained on tiptoe, with both arms outstretched. He stood steadfastly on his one leg, never moving his eyes from her face. The clock struck twelve and crack! Off flew the lid of the snuff box. But there was no snuff inside, only a black imp. That was the beauty of it. Hello, tin soldier, said the imp. 
Don't look at things that aren't intended for the likes of you. But the tin soldier took no notice and seemed not to hear. Very well, wait till tomorrow, said the imp. When it was morning, the children had got up, and the tin soldier was put in the window. And whether it was the wind or the black imp, I don't know. But all at once the window flew open, and out fell the little tin soldier head over heels from a third-story window. That was a terrible fall, I can tell you. He landed on his head with his leg in the air, his gun being wedged between two paving stones. The nursery maid and the little boy came down at once to look for him. Though they were so near him they almost trod on him, they did not notice him. If the tin soldier had only called out, Here I am, they must have found him. But he did not think it fitting for him to cry out, because he had on his uniform. Soon it began to drizzle, and the drops came faster, and there was a regular downpour. When it was over, two little street boys came along. Just look, cried one. Here is a tin soldier. He shall sail up and down in a boat. So they made a little boat out of newspaper, put the tin soldier in it, and made him sail up and down the gutter. Both the boys ran along beside him, clapping their hands. What great waves there were in the gutter. What a swift current. The paper boat tossed up and down, and in the middle of the stream it went so quick that the tin soldier trembled. But he remained steadfast, showing no emotion, looking straight in front of him, shouldering his gun. All at once the boat passed under a long tunnel that was as dark as his box had been. Where can I be coming now? he wondered. Oh dear, this is the black imp's fault. Ugh, if only the little lady were sitting beside me in the boat. It might be twice as dark for all I should care. Suddenly there came along a great water rat that lived in the tunnel. Have you a passport? asked the rat. Out with your passport! But the tin soldier was silent and grasped his gun more firmly. The boat sped on, the rat behind it. Ugh, how he showed his teeth as he cried to the chips of wood and straw. Hold him, hold him, he has not paid the toll, he has not shown his passport. But the current became swifter and stronger. The tin soldier could already see the daylight where the tunnel ended, but in his ears there sounded a roaring enough to frighten any brave man. Only think, at the end of the tunnel, the gutter discharged itself into a great canal. That would be just as dangerous for him as it would be for us to go down a waterfall. Now he was so near that he could not hold on any longer. On with the boat, the poor tin soldier keeping himself as stiff as he could. No one should say of him afterwards that he had flinched. The boat whirled three, four times around, became filled to the brim with water. It began to sink. The tin soldier was standing up to his neck in water, and deeper and deeper sank the boat, and softer and softer grew the paper. Now the water was over his head. He was thinking of the pretty little dancer, whose face he should never see again, and there sounded in his ears, over and over again. Forward, forward, soldier bold, death's before thee grim and cold. The paper came in two, and the soldier fell, but at that moment he was swallowed by a great fish. Oh, how dark it was inside, even darker than the, in the tunnel, and it was really very close quarters. But there the steadfast little tin soldier lay full length shouldering his gun. Up and down swam the fish, and he made the most dreadful contortions, and became suddenly quite still. Then it was a flash of lightning had passed through him. The daylight streamed in, and a voice exclaimed, Why, here is the little tin soldier! The fish had been caught, taken to the market, sold, brought into the kitchen where the cook had cut it open with a great knife. She took the soldier between her finger and thumb and carried him into the room, and everyone wanted to see the hero who had been found inside the fish. But the tin soldier was not at all proud. They put him on the table and... No, but what strange things do happen in the world. 
the tin soldier was in the same room in which he had been before. He saw the same children, the same toys on the table, the same grand castle with the pretty little dancer. She was still standing on one leg with the other high in the air. She, too, was steadfast. That touched the tin soldier. He was nearly going to shed tin tears, but that would have not been fitting for a soldier. He looked at her, but she said nothing. All at once, one of the little boys took up the tin soldier and threw him into the stove, giving no reasons, but doubtless the little black imp in the snuff box was at the bottom of this, too. There the tin soldier lay and felt the heat that was truly terrible, but whether he was suffering from actual fire or from the ardor of his passion, he did not know. All his color disappeared. Whether this had happened on his travels or whether it was the result of trouble, who can say? He looked at the little lady. She looked at him. He felt that he was melting, but he remained steadfast with his gun at his shoulder. Suddenly, a door opened. The draught caught up the little dancer, and off she flew like a sylph to the tin soldier in the stove, burst into flames. And that was the end of her. Then the tin soldier melted down into a little lump. And when the next morning the maid was taking out the ashes, she found him in the shape of a heart. There was nothing left of the little dancer but her gilt rose, burnt as black as cinder. Not sure why I've always associated that one with Christmas. I think it was seeing it animated and set to some musical bit or another. And now, a little match girl. It was terribly cold. It snowed and was almost dark on this, the last evening of the year. In the cold and darkness, a poor little girl, with bare head and naked feet, went along the streets. When she left home, it is true she had slippers on, but what was the use of that? They were very large slippers. Her mother had worn them until then, so big were they. So the little girl lost them as she sped across the street to get out of the way of the two carts driving furiously along. One slipper was not to be found again, and a boy had caught up the other and ran away with it. So the little girl had to walk with naked feet, which were red and blue with cold. She carried a lot of matches in a red apron and a box of them in her hand. No one had bought anything of her the live long day. No one had given her a penny. Shivering with cold and hunger, she crept along, poor little thing, a picture of misery. The snowflakes covered her beautiful fair hair, which fell on long tresses about her neck, but she did not think about that now. Lights were shining in the windows, and there was a tempting smell of roast goose, for it was the New Year's Eve. Yes, she was thinking of that. In a corner formed by two houses, one of which projected beyond the other, she crouched down in a little heap. Although she had drawn her feet up under her, she became colder and colder. She dared not go home, for she had not sold any matches nor earned a single penny. She would certainly be beaten by her father, and it was cold at home, too. They had only the roof above them, through which the wind whistled, although the largest cracks had been stopped up with straw and rags. Her hands were almost numb with cold. One little match might do her good, if she dared take only one out of the box— strike it on the wall and warm her fingers. She took it out and lit it, how it sputtered and burned. It was a warm, bright flame, like a little candle. When she held her hands over it, it was a wonderful little light, and it really seemed to the child as though she was sitting in front of a great iron stove with polished brass feet and brass ornaments. How the fire burned up, how nicely it warmed one. 
The little girl was already stretching out her feet to warm those two when, out went the little flame. The stove vanished, and she had only the remains of the burned match in her hand. She struck a second one on the wall. It threw a light, and where this fell upon the wall, the latter became transparent like a veil. She could see right into the room. A white tablecloth was spread upon the table, which was decked with shining china dishes, and there was a glorious smell of roast goose stuffed with apples and dried plums. And what pleased the poor little girl more than all of that was the goose hopped down from the dish, with a knife and fork sticking in its breast, came waddling across the floor straight up to her. Just at that moment, out went the match, and only the thick, damp, cold wall remained. So she lighted another match, and at once she sat under the beautiful Christmas tree. It was so much larger and better dressed than the one she had seen through the glass doors at a rich merchant's. The green boughs were lit up with a thousand candles, and gaily painted figures like those in the shop windows looked down upon her. The little girl stretched out her hands towards them and out went the match. The Christmas candles rose higher and higher till they were only the stars in the sky. One of them fell, leaving a long, fiery trail behind it. Now, someone is dying, thought the little girl, for she had been told by her old grandmother, the only person she had ever loved, who was now dead, that when a star falls, a soul goes up to heaven. She struck another match on the wall. It was a light once more, and before her stood her old grandmother, all dazzling and bright and looking very kind and loving. "'Grandmother!' cried little girl. "'Oh, take me with you. I know that you will go away when the match is burnt out. You will vanish like the warm stove, the beautiful roast goose, and the large and splendid Christmas tree.' And she quickly lighted the whole box of matches, for she did not wish to let her grandmother go. The matches burned with such a blaze that it was lighter than day and the old grandmother had never appeared so beautiful nor so tall before. Taking the little girl in her arms, she flew up with her. High, endlessly high, above the earth, and there they knew neither cold nor hunger nor sorrow, for they were with God. And on the cold dawn, the poor little girl was still sitting, with red cheeks and a smile upon her lips, in the corner, leaning against the wall, frozen to death on the last evening of the new year. In the last evening of the old year, the New Year's sun shined down upon the little body. The child sat up stiffly, holding her matches of which a box had been burnt. She must have tried to warm herself, someone said. No one knew what beautiful thing she had seen, nor into what glory she had entered with her grandmother on the joyous New Year. We're going to keep it a little short this week and just stick with those two stories. Especially as uh, the latest fairy funny. Well, Nick and I ran a little long. Please remember you can support this podcast and all of my creative efforts at patreon.com slash creations. That's C-H-A-O-S-L-I-L-L-Y creations. You can also drop us something in the tip jar at ko-fi.com slash chaos underscore lily. Again, L-I-L-L-Y. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram, again, at Chaos Lily Creations. And yeah, I think that about covers that. Scott Hill is my editor, and our music is Passing Beauty by Dan Phillipson. Thank you so much for listening. We hope to see you at the Christmas Carol reading on New Year's Eve on Chaos Lily Creations' Facebook page. Love and warmth to you all. Be safe. 
This is Ariel, swimming off. Starting your own podcast can be intimidating, especially when it comes to figuring out how to best spread the word. When starting Fairy Tale, hands down, the most recommended site was Buzzsprout, and more than six months later, I certainly couldn't agree more. Working with Buzzsprout has allowed us to get published and track our audience on every major platform, from Apple Podcasts to Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Plus, you get a great look at all the analytics you could possibly want. Personally, I love looking at the roadmap to see where my listeners are. You also get audio players that you can embed into other websites and an easily personalized website. They also now offer easy ways to find sponsors and affiliate marketplace and display other methods that listeners can support your podcast ad, like Patreon. Use the link in the show notes below to sign up for Buzzsprout today, and you'll also get a $20 Amazon gift card. We can't be together in person right now, but we can be together in the podsphere. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout today. Ariel. Yes. Uh. <laughs> the first words that they heard in this world, but doubtless the little black imp in the snuff box was at the bottom of that, too. But doubtless the little black imp in the bottom. <laughs> but no, er, right, forgot. Scott, if you would insert this part wherever it's best suited. Hey.